Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Speedway Show. Today, our topic of conversation is free to be you. How do you become the person that you really want to be? How do you stop trying to be like somebody else? We as human beings are very susceptible to influence, aren't we? This is why a lot of times when you have loving, caring parents They care very deeply about who their children spend time with because we understand the power of influence that people have over one another. Oftentimes, and this goes way into adulthood, we spend way too much time trying to be like others. We don't trust ourselves enough. We admire the clothes that other people wear, you might think to yourself, "Who? I really like her style, or I really like the way he dresses. My goodness, look at his shoes, shined every single day, brand new it seems. We admire other things, character traits about other people. We might admire a person's sense of humor. We might love the way they seem to be the life of the party. We might love the way they think because we don't think that way. Maybe we feel like I'm not as quick on my feet, but boy, I sure think that person over there is witty. Jim always has something funny to say. He always is the life of the party. We might admire other people's education. Gee, I can't do what she does because I'm not a lawyer. I can't have a blog like she has because... I'm not a Toastmaster. We might admire other people's ideas. My goodness, where does he come up with the stuff he comes up with? I could never be that creative. We might uh, admire other people's intelligence. If only I was as smart as Ellie, then I could really go places. We might admire somebody else's standard of living, their activities, their appearance, their confidence, their profession. We might admire their spousal relationship. I used to have people who would say, oh, I wish I had the marriage that you do. Well, they don't say that anymore since the marriage is over. I used to sometimes think, oh, I wish my husband was more like so-and-so until so-and-so turned out to be a complete basket case, complete loser, Or he turned out to be an absolute philanderer, and then I was thinking, well, never mind. Uh, We might admire other people's spouses. My goodness, if my husband was as thoughtful as Jim, well, I'd just be happy. If my wife could cook like Sally, why? I'd be fat and happy all day long. 
Sometimes we even admire other people's kids. Lots of people admire my kids. And if I may say so myself, they have very good reason because I have some awesome kids. And, uh, you know, people will say, oh, my goodness, your girls are so well behaved. And I'm like, yes, yes, they are on most days. Um, All the while, you know, we admire all these things in other people and other people's people. And we do all of this and all the while we just pass ourselves by. I want to talk to you about that today. I want to talk to you about the freedom to be you. This topic came up because I recently had a job change. And actually over the course of the next year, you're going to hear a lot about careers because we didn't talk a lot about career stuff last year. And I think it's a really important topic because people are always, always in transition either to a career, uh, to a new job, out of a job, thinking about leaving a job, hating your job, all of those things we're going to talk about this year. As a result of my recent transition, I have thought a lot about career-related topics. I was making a transition from a job in which I had two direct reports to a job where I had six. One of the things that I asked myself was, what does that mean in terms of who I should be as a leader? What did I have to be before? What did I not have to be before when I only had two people watching? And not just that, but previously I had my own office which was separate from the two offices where my two paralegals worked. And now, me and my six direct reports are in cubicles, and they're all around me, so they hear and see almost everything I do. So what should I project? Who should I be? Now, I wasn't in crisis, and I wasn't fearful, and I wasn't worried about any of these things, but I I did think it was worthy of consideration. As I read leadership books and participated in leadership training courses, and there was one leadership course that was actually very good that was offered by my employer, the one thing that seemed to come through consistently was that while many leaders struggle to try to project things other than themselves, the best solution is to be who you are. That is, in fact, there's, a, there's one book that I read that said the best leaders essentially are those that embrace the true measure of themselves. Now, who you are, as we all know, is something that you probably look at and think, well, that's certainly not perfection, right? We all have a combination of strengths and weaknesses. And what I would suggest to you is focus on your strengths. As I was reading these books and listening to these messages, I had a professional coach who was granted to me as part of this leadership program, which proved to be actually very, very useful. But when I started thinking about who I am and what I believe, I focused on the things that would help me the most in my new job. Among my fundamental beliefs, uh, 
include the fact that I wholeheartedly embrace my favorite motivational speaker, whom you will hear uh, me refer to a lot, Zig Ziglar. Zig Ziglar says, you can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. This concept resonates with me. Some people call it the golden rule, right? Treat others as you would have them treat you. There are some who would argue that actually that's not true. You should treat others as they want to be treated. I would tell you it is the same thing because fundamentally the concept of treating someone as you want to be treated is putting yourself in that person's shoes and saying, okay, so if I am, you know, my wife who is tired and who has been working all day just like me, how would I want to be treated? Well, let me see. I would want my husband to do the dishes. I would want my husband to help me with the kids. I would want my husband to, you get the idea. So treating someone as you would have them treat you is not about giving them your favorite things. It's about figuring out what their favorite things are and giving them those things, right? So that's the idea. You will have, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. That is one of the things that is fundamental to who I am. It is all about service. Serve others and you will get everything in life you want. By serving others, I have received promotions. By serving others, I have developed long-standing professional alliances and friendships because people uh, care about me, they care about my success, they care about the fact that if I'm successful, they too will be successful. It's a uh, virtuous cycle that sort of perpetuates itself. That's one of the things that I believe in. So I go into this new job, and that's one of the things that I am going to increasingly rely on in the things that I do. That's a part of who I am. Now, another thing that I discovered is that according to my year-end evaluations, I'm also very good at influencing, winning hearts and minds and bringing others along through organizational change processes. Well, just as well, since the job I have requires a great deal of these characteristics in order for me to be successful in this role. So rather than trying to live up to some theoretical idea of what a leader or an executive should be, I just decided that I was going to embrace the strengths in myself that I have. I truly believe that the job that I have, in fact, the past several jobs I have had, were jobs that God designed especially for me. There were jobs that only I was going to have, And there were jobs that only I was going to execute in the way that I was going to execute them. That isn't because I am so, you know, special, but it is because I gave to God my career. And therefore, he guides my path and my career path. The next job that I'm supposed to have will show up when I'm supposed to have it, just as this job showed up when I was supposed to have it, And I didn't apply for it. I didn't ask for it. I wasn't even looking for a job. But I could see God's hand written all over it because he showed me the signs and he gave me the confirmation. This is the job that God made for me. He would not put me in a job unless I had the skills and experience at this point in my life right now 
necessary to be successful in this job. So I just need to figure out what are those strengths that I bring to the table that I need to utilize in order to be successful. With that in mind, then I conclude again that in order to be truly successful at this job, I need to draw on my strengths that I bring to this position and I will be then able to effectively execute. Now, as you might imagine, I'm not like any of my coworkers. I'm not like any of my peers or my superiors. Again, it's not that I'm special in any extraordinary way, but it is that all of us are individuals and none of us are created exactly the same. Every single person in my company has his or her strengths, his or her weaknesses, and together we are able to draw on enough of our strengths to create a successful and profitable organization. There are personality tests that focus on your strengths rather than your weaknesses. If you don't know your strengths, you can take one of these personality tests, visit speedway.com for links. Some of them you may have to pay for. Some of them are free. Some of them, if you work in corporate America, you will probably have been subjected to already. And there are, there's no end of personality tests you can take that will tell you what your strengths are and they will even tell you what your, what your best fit careers are. So visit speedway.com for some of those links. You may have read books like, for example, there's a book called Now Discover Your Strengths that focuses on your strengths. And it talks about the fact that too many times we focus too much on our weaknesses and we try and bring those weaknesses alongside uh, at least to par with our strengths, when actually it's kind of a waste of time. There's some things you're just never going to be good at. I don't care how motivated Shaquille O'Neal is, he's never going to be a good jockey, right? And that wasn't an original observation. That was one of the things that uh, Zig Ziglar observed, which I thought, you know, that's actually true. Um, no matter what I do, I'm never going to be a wizard mathematician. I was not born with a particular aptitude toward math. I spent most of my high school and college career avoiding math because I'm not very good at it. And uh, I focused on my strengths. I'm good at art and the arts. So I love to read. I, am, I can draw worth, you know, something. And so those are the things I focused on, and I have done just fine without math in my lifetime. And uh, my career is set, and it does not involve math on most days. So focus on your strengths. I would admonish you that this is actually not very easy to do. At one point, I, had a, I was a member of a team in my last job, and we had our HR um, business partner who came, and she walked us through this uh, function of focusing on our strengths. So we all had to take the Strength Finder test, and um, there is a, a link to that one on speedway.com on the posting for this show. We took the Strength Finder. It identified our strengths. It also identified the strengths in the context of what is your predominant strength, your next, your next, your next. And we just couldn't help ourselves. We started by 
focusing on the areas we were weakest at. And we, you know, wrung our hands and we asked each other, is this true? Am I really bad at this? And we, you know, sat there in denial and we tried to think of ways that the test was wrong. And our HR business partner brought us back to the middle and she said, you know, notice that you are focusing again on your weaknesses. That's not the point of the exercise. But it did highlight for us that we we consistently and constantly check ourselves against the things that we're bad at. So set those down and put those aside. It doesn't mean that you ignore all of your weaknesses, but it does mean that you don't focus on them as much and perhaps you find ways to manage them. My goal is not to turn you into a different person, uh, but simply to manage the weaknesses that you have. So, for example, let's suppose that you're never on time to anything. Well, you're not going to turn into a different person overnight, but what you can do is you can use the tools that you have. If you have an assistant, have her maybe schedule your meetings a little bit early. Maybe if you rely on Outlook like I do uh, or some other calendaring system, build in time to go from one meeting to the next. So if I know I have to travel outside the office, I will block off 30 minutes before the meeting to walk to my office or to drive to my office or however long it's going to take me to get there. That way nobody's going to schedule anything during that time. I'm not going to schedule anything during that time. And when that reminder comes that in 30 minutes I have this appointment, mentally I just make a note, no matter what's going on, I'm going to jump up and I'm going to go. I'm not going to answer the phone during when that 30-minute time period hits because that's usually when somebody calls and says, do you have a second? And then they take up your whole 30 minutes and now you're going to be late. Uh, You could set your clock five, ten minutes fast. I have a friend who sets his clock at seven minutes fast, and he does that because that way he doesn't game the system by intentionally thinking, well, you know, I've got ten minutes, and then he's just late by ten minutes. He sets it at seven minutes because it's too hard. It's it's not an intuitive number to calculate. And so whatever the time says it is, all of his clocks are seven minutes fast. He always gets where he's going seven minutes early or he's on time. So those are ways that you can manage your weaknesses. Uh, If you have an assistant, you can use your assistant to do some of those things. If you are bad at organization, then get you a planner and prioritize, and you set your list at three things that you're going to do today, three high-priority things, and you do just those three things. When you're done with those three things, you schedule the next three things. Do not schedule everything as a priority, otherwise you're just not going to get it done. Uh, There was a time when I did not dress well. That was a weakness that I had. And I... At the time, I worked at a firm with my good friend, uh, my friend Dion uh, Hayes, who has since gone on to publish a book. And um, Dion said to me, uh, now Dion dressed better than I did. So I decided I was going to rely on Dion to help my wardrobe. Dion said a couple of things to me once upon a time that were kind of funny and had I been a different kind of person, I suppose, I would have been uh, offended. And by the way, Dion is a published author as well. 
And uh, I did two shows with her. One was called Somerset Grove in the past couple of months. The other one was called So You Want to Write. And she was teaching and uh, giving authors tips on how to become a published writer like she is. Uh, but anyway, so visit speedway.com because you're going to find both of those on the website. And then, and, and in fact, I misset her name. Her name is Dion Peart now. But um, Dion said to me, well, you know, um, just because you have it in your wardrobe and you can still fit into it, because I was quite proud of the fact that I could still, still fit into my clothes from college, uh, she said, you know, just because you fit into it doesn't mean you want to wear it. And of course, now college was 26 years ago, so you can imagine what my wardrobe looked like. And uh, the other thing she said to me was, you know, if you don't find it in stores today, you ought not be wearing it. So you can imagine what kind of difference there was between my wardrobe, 26 years old, and hers. And uh, so rather than read up on a bunch of, uh, read a bunch of magazines and, 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 you know, get on the Internet and take up a bunch of fashion classes, I simply scheduled some time with Dion. And uh, we went out one day, and she took me out shopping. And we went shopping to all the places that Dion typically shopped, and I can tell you, there were shops that I would have never set foot in on any day of the week. But by the time that afternoon was over, I had an idea of where to go to find things that I liked. I'm, not a, I'm still not a trendy dresser. Uh, I still like rather classic cut suits because I don't want someone to look at my suit and know that, oh, that was that suit that you bought from, you know, last summer or two summers ago. But I at least have upgraded my wardrobe in a way that makes sense. So in, those exa- in that example, I simply leveraged the strength that Dion had, and that way I was able to bring something, address uh, something that I wanted to address for myself by simply going to somebody else who had that strength. So if you feel compelled to tame your weaknesses, don't take the long road. Look for ways that you can manage those weaknesses by using tools and the assistance of willing people around you. So having said all of that, uh, you've got ideas for how you can prioritize. You've got ideas for how you can be on time. But focus your time on really dealing with how do you increase your strengths. As I said, for example, I'm very good at influencing and winning hearts and minds. That means I can find a way to move people to accomplish organizational goals effectively and in a way that makes sense to them. That's my strength. So rather than being bashful about it and hiding it, I have told my new boss, hey, I'm really good at this. And so, you know, if we agree that these are the goals that we have for the year, I'm going to give you my blueprint for how I'm going to accomplish it, and it's going to include a lot of influencing stuff because I know how to do this. I've done it successfully. I have a track record of being successful at it. And so give me the, the, the leeway to really exercise the strength, and it will deliver results. And he said, okay, fine. So that's what we're going to do. I have told uh, my direct reports on occasion, you know, I'm really good at this. And so we've got this objective for this year that we need to accomplish. If you will let me give you some tips along the way and some guidance on how best to do it, um, and you follow, you know, you don't 
certainly don't need to follow everything I tell you, but if you follow some of my advice, I bet you that I can get you where you're trying to get to. And so that's how I leverage that strength. And likewise, I leverage the strength of my other team members and I go to them for advice. These are my direct reports, right? No shame in going to your direct reports because actually if you do the right, if, if you've got the right people, they will always have strengths that you don't have. They will always know things that you don't know. That's why they're there. And together, you can be a really strong team. In the context of your job, winning should almost never be a zero-sum game. There are ways you can win by letting others win too. If winning is about giving everybody, giving enough people what they want so that you can get what you want, that means you both win. So find ways that you can both win on both sides. Now, the one other thing I'll say to you, my primary message to you today has been about leveraging strengths and trying to, to, to uh, leverage other people's strengths. And we focus mostly on careers. But actually, this is stuff you can apply in every aspect of your personal life as well. If you are a parent, there are certain things that you're probably really good at as a parent. I am really good at mentoring. I am really good at teaching life lessons. And so sometimes um, my, my, the, the girl's dad will ask me, he'll, James will say to me, hey, um, I need you to talk to Olivia about this, or I need you to talk to Jamie about that, because he knows that that's something I'm really good at. There are certain things that James is really good at. So there are some times when I'll pick up the phone and I'll need his advice because I'm trying to figure out how to resolve something or maybe I think something's a big deal when it really isn't. And I will call him for advice because he can center me that way. And that way as parents, we feed off of each other's strengths in order to give our girls the best result. You can apply those learnings, those strengths that you have, in every aspect, uh, at church, in your extracurricular activities, if you are a member of uh, a board or several boards or associations, if you do anything like that. Leverage your strengths to maximize the value that you bring to the table and, and, and apply them selflessly. So don't be egotistical about it, right? Doggone it, I'm really good at this, let me do it. No, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying know thyself and be free to fully explore the strengths that you bring to the table. You can do it in relationships as well. Many times in relationships, people are attracted to us because of the strengths that they see in us. Unfortunately, too often, we relinquish that position of power so that we can try to conform to somebody, to, to, to what we think somebody else wants us to be. And oftentimes we are surprised when it turns out they don't like us better for having tried to, to, to morph into something that was not authentic. Over the course of my life and in my own experiences and watching other people, I have yet to see the model work where somebody tries to be something that they're not. And in my view, if someone doesn't like the person that you are, that just tells you you are fundamentally incompatible. Rather than wasting your time trying to cater to 
the weaknesses that you have and bring them up to be strength so that they'll like you better. Maybe the right resolution is you change that relationship so that it can be served by you being who you are and the other person being who you are. So in other words, maybe rather than the two of us being lovers or trying to be lovers or significant others, we become friends because actually maybe that is where we should land anyway. And that's going to work better because then we can leverage our various strengths in that way. So that is all I have to say to you today about being free to be you. But this year, as the year begins, commit to identifying the things that you're really good at and allowing those things to govern and dominate all of your interactions in your personal life, your spiritual life, your um, professional life, and you will be that much happier for it. Start the year off right. This is B.U.S. saying go in peace and feel free to be you. Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.